distance away, you can do a live stream tonight, or hopefully you can come back and gather again. I think the, I'm amazed my expectations are far exceeded about the attendance. So many live on uh, roads that are iced in and difficult, so to see, see the congregation here is uh, extremely encouraging. Um, um, gather, but I know that many are at home as well. But um, the book of Philippians, chapter 1, I'm going to read the text uh, for this morning, verses 1 to 6. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The book of Philippians has rightly been called the epistle of joy. Because joy is the theme, that uh, the refrain that uh, the apostle repeats all the way through uh, this letter to the church at Philippi. Philippi was um, the first church in Europe. It was the first church that, that, that uh, uh, Paul and Timothy, uh, on, on their first, uh, on their second missionary journey, crossed into what we would consider Europe. And you remember that from Acts chapter 15, the very famous Macedonian call. They were called, a man, a man appeared in a vision in, in Paul's dream and said, come over and help us. And so it's a, it's a very uh, appropriate text to think about on the eve of our missions conference. And if you read on into Acts 16, you'll remember the, the story of uh, how Paul, Paul's custom in spreading the gospel was always to go to the synagogue first. And Philippi was a Greek city, uh, and there was no synagogue, but there was a group of faithful women who met on uh, the riverbank. And they were led, those women were led by Lydia. And uh, we don't know about, uh, all the background of Lydia, but she was a very prosperous businesswoman. She um, made... Uh, and sold uh, very expensive um, fabrics, which were the custom of the day. And so Paul is remembering this church, the thriving church community, uh, built in this Greek, primarily Greek city, city that was founded some 300 years before Paul wrote this text, by uh, uh, Philip, the father of Alexander the Great. God in his providence had used Alexander the Great to uh, conquer in his short life the whole known world. And one of the legacies of that, and you think of that, well, that's, that's 
amazing. Uh, Alexander, uh, you know, famously died um, uh, very young after uh, a, a really a blitzkrieg throughout the known world from uh, Greece. But one of his legacies was the Greek language, the business language of the world that spread throughout the world, in which the very writing of Paul, as he writes the book of Philippians, uh, reminds us of how God in his providence overrules even wicked rulers for his own glory. Paul writes, the reason he's writing this letter, the reason he has time to write this letter is he's in prison. This is one of the prison epistles that uh, the Apostle Paul writes. And the only reason uh, we have them is because he was in prison and he couldn't conduct, keep going out and preaching the gospel. Uh, the Holy Spirit had, had providentially ordained that he would be stuck in prison, that he would write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the very word of God. When you get depressed about your circumstances and your situation in life, think about things like how God ordained the scriptures to come to us. I always, I always, I've, told, I've said this before, I, I, it's just a, something I'm paranoid of is ever going to prison. It just, uh, it's just something that really bothers me. But not as much in my old age. <laughs> I told you that. When I was younger, it really terrified me. But the apostle is writing from a Roman prison. He is under a death sentence. Perhaps he doesn't know it at this point. There are hints of it here, even in Philippians, that he knows it. And yet his overwhelming emotion in these terrible circumstances is joy. Joy in remembering the glorious gospel and what God was accomplishing through that gospel throughout the world. The overwhelming theme of this epistle of Paul writing from prison is joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. And the first thing I would point out is the greeting. The, the customary way of writing a letter and addressing it was to begin with the signers of the letter. And that's how this letter uh, begins. Uh, back in my army days, we would write memorandums and we would, we would write in this way. We would write, you know, from and to. And that's basically what that's the format. It's a very simple, straightforward way to address a letter. It's Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. The, the apostle uh, is very gracious in including his young uh, associate, Timothy, in his letter. And, and apparently Timothy is in prison with him at this time. They're servants of Christ Jesus, and they're writing to all the saints in Christ who are at Philippi with 
the elders and the deacons. Addressing the church. There's so much packed into that uh, that we should look at. Again, Philippi, the, the, the church that Paul established when he met the businesswoman named Lydia, who was uh, a, uh, a big uh, player in the fabric trade. She was gathering women to worship the one true God with her. And, and this simple understanding of who God was led them to worship. When we understand who God is, we want to gather with God's people to worship. The, that's the essence of the church, whether it's a, a small fellowship like ours or whether it's even a smaller fellowship than ours. The, the desire to gather with like-minded believers is absolutely the essence of the church. I've, I've spoken many times of the, the, uh, the single ladies who were instrumental in the founding of this church when I came here long ago. I always, they bring a smile on my face every time I think of Virginia Tidball, some of you who met that, that famous godly sister, uh, Edith and Dora Dean, uh, fellowshipping with these, these godly ladies around the Lord's Supper in their home often. That was the beginning of my ministry here. And from these, these faithful gathering, uh, the Lord has continued to bless. And the bottom line is Paul is filled with joy for the, for the same reason. What began there with Lydia and her companions at the river had continued to where a flourishing church started in that great uh, Greco-Roman city known as Philippi that began to spread throughout the region. Again, it's Paul. Very important to note that Paul, that it's not what Paul does alone. He's, he very prominently mentions his associate, Timothy. Uh, he writes this letter, uh, goes on, he writes uh, in, in a way that it's obvious it's the Apostle Paul writing the whole letter. But he wants people to know uh, about his uh, ministry. It's not just his ministry alone, it's with Timothy. And it's not just them alone. It's also about the members of the church in Philippi. It's also about the elders in the church in Philippi. And it's also about the deacons. We have, we have in these few verses a picture of who the local church should be. We're in the process of nominating men for office. And it's a, it's a solemn thing that you participate in as a congregation. We are in a great discussion now among our with our family of churches and our whole uh, denomination and our, about who is qualified for office. Verse 2 tells us the first and foremost qualification is those who understand grace. And peace, those who understand that grace is 
is not something that we earn or deserve. It is the free gift of God to those who hear the gospel and respond in faith. And the result is peace. We who were at war with God, who were at enmity with God because of our sin and rebellion, God has made peace with us. And this it's not a benediction, it's a salutation. This is his greeting. He begins his letter with grace. He ends his letter with grace. Grace is how God brings us to himself. We are saved and put into his church by grace alone, through faith alone. And, and if God is calling you to be a member of Covenant Church, that's what we want to hear. We want to hear your testimony of how God saved you. We want to hear how he, you have come to that place in your life where you have put your trust in Christ alone and nothing else. You have no merit of your own to offer God, but solely what Christ has done for you to make peace on your behalf with God through his sacrificial death. What is the first thing on the apostle's heart? It's thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving to God. I, I, our, our confession and our catechisms are, are so full of pithy definitions. If you ever want a pithy definition of, of prayer, that you could do no better than the one we read for our confession of faith, of offering up our desires to God for things that are agreeable to his will in the name of Christ by the help of the Holy Spirit with the confession of our sin and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Thanksgiving should be the response of our whole life to God. After all that he has done for me to deliver me from death and hell forever and to pile up upon me blessing upon blessing by his grace my only response should be a life of gratitude and humility an easier definition of prayer is one I learned when I was a new believer years ago, and I always kind of keep it stuck in my head, and that's the ACTS formula of prayer. You know what that acts? Just remember the acrostic acts. And you really see it throughout the scriptures. A, A stands for adoration, praising God. C stands for confessing. We, that's why we have it in the heart of our worship every time we gather. The confession of sin. If we say we have no sin, Jay read it for our assurance of pardon, verse 10, 1 John 1, verse 10. If we say we have no sin, we are a liar. We have remaining sin in us to be sure, but we don't want to stay in it. So we confess it to God and we ask him for the grace to put it to death, to name it by its ugly name and to put it to death. Adoration, confession, and thanksgiving. Giving thanks. If we had any inkling 
of the punishment we deserve, of what we have been saved from, eternal destruction, eternal everlasting damnation and hell. If you've ever been saved in this life from, from a, 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 a life-threatening illness or miraculously delivered from an accident, maybe you have some inkling of what it means to be grateful to be alive. But spiritually speaking, that should be our attitude. We, we take for granted so many things and so often times we presume upon God's mercy and forgiveness. We should never do that. And then the S stands for supplication. Ask. Ask. And it's important to note what we should ask for. Our Lord Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount, you have not because you ask not. That's James, rather. And you ask amiss. You ask for your own selfish pleasures rather than asking for the things that God would have you ask for. So when Paul writes this prayer of joy, this prayer of thanksgiving for what God has done in the Philippians' life and through the church in Philippi. It's an example to us of how we should be grateful. And what is he grateful for for the Philippians? He's grateful for their partnership with the gospel. Um, again, we're back to this theme of it's not what I, what I do alone. It's not what our mission. When we, we talk about uh, our missionaries, we often refer to them as our missionary partners because they are an extension of us as we give them financial and prayer support. Uh, we, we partner with them in the places that God has called them to be. And when we think of that, what should the result be in our lives? We should be filled with joy. That's what Paul, he was filled with joy. He was filled with joy because of what God was doing in their partnership with the gospel. Joy is, uh, is an emotion. And it's, it's, it's something that... Uh, is, is separate from happiness. It's a constant state of mind that results from being in a relationship with God who has loved his people. And the Apostle Paul lists the fruit in, is singular in Galatians 5, 23. Uh, the first fruit is love. It's interesting, the preceding prison epistle, Ephesians, uh, that's the main theme of Ephesians, is love. Uh, this epistle, following uh, uh, that um, uh, epistle is the principal theme is joy, and 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 the preceding epistle is not not the most uh, happy of uh, Paul's epistles. Galatians, 
Uh, he's rather upset with them because they are abandoning the gospel to go back into legalistic works righteousness. But in it, he lists in, in contrast to the, uh, the deeds of the flesh that come from self-righteous religion, the work of the Holy Spirit. And what does the work of the Holy Spirit produce? It produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Joy should mark our lives if we are united to Christ in faith, even in the most difficult circumstances and the most difficult times of our lives. I, I, I have to confess, so often I am angry and upset at the world and the, and the things that are crushing in. But I get out my Bible and I read through it. And I look and I say, when have God's people in his word ever had a time of just peace and safety and prosperity? <laughs> I hope you're well into your reading program. Don't get bogged down in anything. Just keep reading. And if you think your circumstances are difficult, just read the circumstances of even God's favorites. Joy is the result of being united to Christ no matter what happens in this world. That's why the, the uh, prosperity gospel is, is ruined the evangelical church. This notion that God wants you to be the always healthy and happy and wealthy. And if you're not, and prospering in all your relationships, and if you're not, there's something wrong with your faith. No. The message of the gospel is God delivers us in the midst of those trying circumstances. word partnership is also the word for fellowship. Sometimes it's translated fellowship. That's why we need to be a part of the body of Christ. There's a, a great tendency today to despise the church and its gathering. We're, we're on the eve of some of the, this, this, this COVID thing Honestly, it, it, it's, it's from the devil towards the church. This, this idea that you, now we're really going to have, you know, I'm, I'm grateful on snow days that we have a live stream. I'm, I'm grateful for people who are vulnerable at home and can tune in. Don't get me wrong, I'm grateful for these things. But they are no substitute for the gathering together of the body of Christ. Amen. The fellowship that we have, close and distance. What is Paul confident of? 
for them in their partnership with the gospel from the first day that he met, he met Lydia and her companions down by the river in Philippi. I'm sure, I'm certain that God will finish his work. Jesus, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, says, which of, which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first, down, first sit down and count the cost about whether he has enough to be able to complete it? There's nothing uh, more depressing, in some ways, than going down the road and seeing an unfinished project that just le is left there. The bare bones of a house or a structure that was never completed. And you wonder about the circumstances that came about for that to happen. The Apostle Paul about the church in Philippi was confident that he who began that work through the Holy Spirit was able to finish it. Lydia and her companions, the Philippian jailer, this rough, gruff jailer who had an earthquake come and shake all the prisoners loose. And Paul and his companions and everyone in the jail, if, if they were like me, they would have been running down the street. But no. God sent that earthquake to the jailer in Philippi to show him how much he loved him. And Paul and his companions, and somehow they talked in, all the prisoners in to stay. And what happens? The Philippian jailer and his whole family is saved. All know the power of God brought that man's faith to be and the faith of his whole family. When God lays a foundation of faith in his true child, he will finish that work. Oh, there will always be hypocrites and false pretenders. But of the Philippians, he was convinced that he who began that work was going to complete it. Paul is sure that God who began that work would complete it at the last day, the day of Christ. That's the last day. That's when all the dead in Christ are raised and everyone stands in body and spirit united before holy God. And he is convinced about the Philippians as he is convinced about himself and Timothy that they will be made complete in that day. We ask. This is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears it. And it is his will to save sinners. If you would ask for forgiveness, you will receive it. 
If you will ask for him to sanctify you and make you more holy and enable you to stop sinning, he will do it. And he will keep doing it until you take your last breath on earth. And he will continue to do it. As your spirit is glorified with him until that last day. When the dead in Christ raised and stand complete in him on that great day of judgment. It's one of the wonderful things about the Lord's Supper. Every time we gather, the Apostle Paul elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 11 tells us every time we do, we celebrate his death until he comes again, until he finishes that work in body and soul forever. God will finish the work he began in you. Oh, it, you're, it may get stymied. You may think that there's no progress in your Christian life at all. Uh, there may be times, our, our confession talks about, where he shuts up the heavens and their prayers don't seem to get through. But in those times, the promises here are so important. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. And the result, what is the result? The result is the praise, honor, and glory of God forever. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we can gather to praise you, to, to honor you, to exalt you, because of the gospel of grace that delivers us from sin and hell forever. Father, help us not to be content with any, any sin in our life. Help us to name it as you name it and help us to turn from it to you. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for us and your power is perfected in our lives. We ask for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.